This week's episode is brought to you by GN Ferrara Certified Public Accountants and Consultants. In today's economy, you need a roadmap. Let GN Ferraris help you navigate through and stay financially secure. If you want to be creative and aggressive and smart, which is what we need more than ever, the bill shouldn't just reopen America. Now is a chance to actually reimagine America, okay? You need to stimulate the economy. You need to create jobs. You need to get people back to work. That was Governor Andrew Cuomo, and you're listening to The Reopen. This week, local economists, business leaders, and other public officials on the immediate future of the North Fork economy. Experts paint a bleak picture of the short term with massive unemployment and shuttered businesses, but all agree that with proper leadership, creative thinking from businesses, and additional federal assistance, North Fork Commerce can shift to a new normal that favors safety, imagination, and partnership. I'm Grant Parpan, and this is Episode 1, A Reimagining of the North Fork. Bridgehampton National Bank. By nature, I always say this as a banker, I have to be optimistic, right? I, I give people money expecting them to pay me back. And hopefully we're looking back on this five and 10 years. And do you remember the year of the, the pandemic? That's the voice of Bridgehampton National Bank CEO, Kevin O'Connor. His bank, which serves customers from New York City to Montauk Point, has been a leading lender for North Fork small businesses since the Paycheck Protection Program was approved in late March. B&B has issued close to $1 billion dollars in PPP loans to nearly 4,000 businesses. 20 to 25% of them were not our customers when we started. We did a good number of restaurants and people in the hospitality industry because that's the customer base on the East End. If you walk up and down Main Street in Greenport, I, I certainly have done more than half of the businesses there. The breakneck pace of how the legislation was approved and the loans have been issued has caused much confusion with business owners across the country. Mr. O'Connor was candid about some of the issues he's seen and the need for more clarification and regulation. It's been very, uh, very hectic on our side. So we have these 4,000 people that are looking for guidance, and there is a tremendous amount of guidance out there. How much of it is accurate, how much of it is speculation, uh, and that's what we're all trying to, you know, sort of weed through. Part of that is supposed to be forgiven if these businesses can hire their workers back. Uh, that's a challenge for a lot of the businesses that yet can't open. I'm hopeful that along the way, enlightened politicians will, you know, change the rules and you'll have more than eight weeks to spend that money. They pass legislation and then regulation steps in. And I think, you know, how they interpret it at the SBA and they came up with this eight week rule. And I think what they failed to realize is the eight week rule is run, running parallel to the bonus unemployment of $600 a week. And it's also an eight week rule starting from the day you get the money that you may not have something to spend it on because you may have your rent under furlough and you don't have employees if you're a restaurant. And so what are you actually going to do that? I've heard some conversations about changing some of those rules. The SBA is going to promulgate more regulations. I got an email today that some more things will be coming down. You know, it's a challenge for us is that, you know, we have done close to 4,000 of these, uh, almost a billion dollars over the uh, last, I guess, month. As more and more of this comes out, and I think that when you recognize that 
different parts of not just the country, but states will open up differently. I think there has to be different rules for the way this forgiveness is calculated. And that that's something that, you know, I've been in contact with the SBA to think about. I think it was truly a lifeline, but it was a lifeline that gets them temporarily to the other side, whatever the other side looks like. What the other side looks like is anyone's guess right now. But no matter who is talking and whether they're describing the impacts nationally in New York State, Suffolk County, or right here on the North Fork, it doesn't sound good. I want every American to be prepared for the hard days that lie ahead. Does my business reopen? Well, what is your business? We have not seen unemployment numbers at this level since the Great Depression, and it really drives home the point, uh, the economic devastation that is occurring as a result of this virus. I think incomes will eventually bounce back, but I think we're going to see a big increase in what we call discouraged workers, who are people who want a job but who have stopped looking. And I think there's going to be a, a long-term difficulty for people who have been working in those minimum wage jobs. I think it's going to look bad for restaurant workers for a long time. And everybody who depends on their income and who depends on their demand for their goods is going to be feeling this for a very long time. That's Tom Flesher, an associate professor of economics at Suffolk County Community College. We interviewed him earlier this month to get his opinion on what the future might look like on the East End. He offered a particularly grim outlook. For a highly leveraged restaurant, it's going to be a very hard road to hoe because they are so dependent on getting their cash flows in on a very regular basis. For them, particularly if we're talking about a restaurant that's at a higher price point, that's attempting to serve a higher willingness to pay market, they're going to have to make a choice between coming back at, and offering the same experience that they had offered before and having fewer fewer customers, obviously, because of social distancing regulations. And on the other hand, offering a higher revenue experience talking something like curbside or delivery or just uh, selling things that have lower food costs in order to get the cash flow going. These are people who really would have benefited from a much larger uh, PPP program who are really suffering because there was such a limited amount of funding available for those small business loans that a lot of people were hanging their hats on. Just shooting from the hip here, I think that five out of ten is a conservative estimate for the number of restaurants that are going to uh, that are going to fail. You see, restaurants as a fairly high failure rate business in the first place because it's very difficult to build a base of new customers. Now, with the with the financial issues that they're having, I think a lot of restaurants that otherwise might have been able to hang on are not going to make it. Uh, probably not even reopen. Well, that seems a little extreme, but it may, you know, that's probably at the high end of, of uh, plausible. John Rizzo is the chief economist for the Long Island Association and one of several sources we spoke with who expressed particular concerns for restaurants and other service industry businesses. He explains why. Restaurants will be reopening, but it's going to be a new normal, which is going to have people more distance from each other. And that means less tables per restaurant, perhaps significantly less now. What's the economics of that? How could that work? One way that could work is by just raising prices a lot. Half the tables, double your prices. That won't work because 
Eating out is a consumer discretionary luxury item, and therefore consumers are very price sensitive. In other words, you raise the price a little, they cut back their expenditures uh, a lot. They go to the restaurant to the restaurant a lot less. So it really won't be possible to pass on the costs to the consumers. Well, could the restaurants eat the loss? Could they continue to operate at half capacity and earn a profit? That's also very doubtful because uh, restaurant margins are not high, and capitalization in uh, small restaurants, small chains, or individually owned restaurants tend to be tend to be low. Third option is that rents go down. Landlords might look to other options, renting out their space to some other organization other than restaurants. I think that would be very limited. Some of them won't be able to afford it, their mortgages, and, and, and they'll have their own financial problems to work out with banks. But others will be able to continue to function at uh, lower rents. And when you think about it, if it really is the case that tables will have to be significantly more distant so that there'll be fewer tables per restaurant, perhaps cutting by as much as half, that means that the value of that property as a commercial enterprise has gone down. Well, if the value of the property has gone down, that means the rents have to go down. So I think what we'll see is rents going down. And of course, there'll be some businesses, some restaurants going out of business. I think the ability to increase price and pass it on to the consumer will be pretty much non-existent. Some landlords will find alternative uses for the property other than uh, renting out to restaurants, but I think that will be limited. I think the main effect is that rents will go down. Safety is a key issue facing all small businesses that rely on customer shopping in person, as social distancing practices are expected to continue into the foreseeable future. Here's former Greenport Mayor Dave Capel, a member of the Long Island Regional Economic Development Council. People are going to be afraid, even, even if businesses open, people are going to be afraid to, sh- to, uh, to patronize. So we're seeing a behavioral shift that's unprecedented in, in modern history, really. Global. That's not going to resolve itself, you know, in a couple of weeks after, after some order is given. Look at the fact that the vast majority of the global population has risen to the call to, to isolate. It's really remarkable when you think about it. When can you think of another time in, in, in history that something like that has happened on such a massive level? I suppose at wartime, this has been incredible. I know there's a big push now to get to get back into business, and I, I support that to the extent that it's intelligently managed with science as the basis. The fact is that there, there's still a lot of questions. I think the most certain thing at the moment is uncertainty. And so I think you have to be flexible. And I, I certainly think to the extent that public spaces can be used in, in Greenport, for example, Mitchell Park, uh, there's talk about closing some of the streets to allow for, for commerce to expand out into the public realm in order to accommodate the social distancing requirements that are needed to make sure that people don't get sick, that we don't have a new, new peak. Those should be considered. That planning should be happening quickly. O'Connor also embraces the concept of opening up public spaces to help small businesses succeed and agreed it's something local governments should be discussing. Listen, if New York City can create pedestrian malls in the middle of Times Square, there's no reason that we can't do that in Greenport, Mattata, and Riverhead. There's got to be some sort of rethinking of what the downtowns are going to look like. What's to say that Main Street can't become more of a a walking thoroughfare, especially in Riverhead with the parking that is available, and then allowing some of these restaurants to actually morph into sort of street side cafes so they can wind up with a little bit more space and maybe make themselves work for some part of the center. There is going to have to be an understanding for these businesses to come back and survive, but just like downtowns changed anyway. The downtowns came back because of these service industries because some of the, the visionary politicians and, and worked with businesses to sort of change the mindset. 
we may need to sort of reinvent that too. This is going to take lots of people pulling together. Uh, it's going to take, you know, business improvement districts or the Chamber of Commerce, strong organizations within the communities to really come with uh, come up with ideas. People will be willing to work with the businesses to have them survive. There is a part about shopping local and supporting your friends that run these businesses. And, and so I think there will be that. But will that desire to support small businesses be lasting enough if unemployment remains high? How will that affect demand? I think that we're at a fairly high risk of what we call a W-shaped or a double-dip recession, where there will be a little bit of a bounce back, but it won't be sustainable and we may drop back down. One of the reasons that I worry about that is that there will almost certainly be a big increase in GDP, in spending and in income after we reopen, we're unlikely to see a large majority of people able to go back to their service sector jobs just because of the decrease in demand. Now, that's driven both by social distancing and by the fact that people are more cautious with their money during a recession because they're worried that they're going to lose their jobs or they already have. So a lot of the jobs just won't be there for people to go back to. I don't think we're going to be able to sustain a large increase in demand at least immediately. So we are at risk of dropping back down. Leisure and hospitality in Suffolk County in the North Fork is very important. My sense is, based on information about the number of jobless claims, this is for New York State, an unemployment rate of 13% already. I think our, our, the unemployment rate is probably very high, but still lower than the national average, because I think New York State, especially Long Island and, and New York City, is the ability to work remotely because there's big uh, professional services, financial, and so forth. I think the unemployment rate in leisure and hospitality is, is, is greater than that, uh, than that 13%. With a drop in sales tax revenue in New York, Rizzo said federal assistance for states to support education and local governments is imperative. Those revenues are going to decline substantially. So, for example, uh, survey evidence from the Siena Research, College Research Institute uh, indicates that consumers are reducing their spending plans for electronics, trucks and autos, furniture, uh, other items uh, between 13 and seven and 27%. That translates into substantial reductions in, in sales tax revenue, which translates into substantial reductions in, in school budgets. If the state and local governments don't get federal assistance, this is going to mean that those services will be substantially reduced. Uh, uh, among a variety of other services. It's imperative that a bill gets passed that will help the uh, state and local governments meet these obligations. Big industries are getting supported, small businesses are getting supported, consumers are getting supported, and to some extent, they all need to be supported because this was a manufactured shutdown. But the disconnect is you know, not supporting state governments. They need to be supported too. So that, that really has to happen. O'Connor said there's one thing he's certain we'll see as the North Fork attempts to recover from what is currently and will continue to be for some time an economic disaster. The small businessman and woman, the true entrepreneurs, they'll persevere. I'm always amazed by entrepreneurs, how they are the successful ones. They're always thinking about the next part of their business, what they're going to do. People will be willing to work with the businesses to have them survive. There is a part about shopping local and supporting your friends that run these businesses. And, and so... I think there will be that. All of this adds up to one thing, a period of great change ahead, which led us to one final question. There really needs to be almost a complete reimagining of the business community. Yes. 
next time on The Reopen, a look at the future of downtown revitalization in Riverhead. We're waiting for people to move to Riverhead who have money that they're willing to spend to have a good experience. That's one of the first things to go. I think uh, filling those spaces is going to be slower than than, uh, otherwise because the economy is in, in, in a steep recession and it's just going to climb out of it slowly. This is a really bad time just by happenstance for Riverhead to be in the middle of that sort of development. The Reopen is a product of Times Review Media Group. Read the stories each week in the Riverhead News Review and the Suffolk Times. The podcast is written, hosted, and mixed by me, Grant Parpan. Additional audio engineering by Tara Smith. This week's episode featured interviews by Steve Wick. The opening music by Admiral Bob 77 was sourced through CC Mixter. Additional music was licensed through Audioblocks.